Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Crash Course Fashion Podcast. My name is Brittany Sierra, and I'm your host. On this podcast, we go behind the scenes to explore the multifaceted and often complicated reality of building and scaling a purpose-driven brand. In this episode, I'm chatting with Gordon Renouf, the CEO and co-founder of Good On You. Good On You is the world's leading source of trusted brand ratings, articles, and expertise on ethical and sustainable fashion. Since 2015, they've built a database of thousands of fashion brands, all rated against their robust rating system for their impact on people, planet, and animals. Good On You is supported by some of the biggest names in the industry and even has the support of Emma Watson, you know, the world-renowned British actor and ethical fashion pioneer, and Hermione from Harry Potter, for all those nerds out there like me. (laughs) With so much talk about the need for transparency in the fashion industry, I wanted to talk to Gordon about what it truly means to be a transparent brand, and not just from a marketing standpoint, but actually transparent. What does it mean and how can brands do more of it? If you've been wondering where to focus your sustainability efforts to meet customer demands for sustainability or how to enter into the sustainability space and authentically engage your community in the conversation without coming across as greenwashing, this is the conversation for you. So. If you're interested in everything I just said, (laughs) here's my conversation with Gordon. The reports are in, and according to these reports, consumers want sustainability. They want to shop based on their values, and they want brands to understand what they care about, and act accordingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I think is really interesting is that despite there being so many reports that consumers want sustainability, they want to shop by their values, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, especially since the pandemic, what what consumers and what people are saying that they want versus what's actually happening and what where their money is actually going doesn't always align. Yeah. And I know that there are so many factors that go into what someone actually purchases. It's not necessarily as black and white as sometimes we think it should be or want it to be. There's so many other influencing factors to it. Yeah. From the perspective of good on you, are you seeing this? Are you seeing that customers are more interested in sustainability than they have been before? Are you seeing an uptick in downloads? Are you seeing more action on your website as far as like the analytics? Are you seeing that there is more of an interest in sustainable fashion since the pandemic aligning with these reports? Yeah, I think the first thing is to be clear that it's not like sustainability is new. It's not born of the pandemic. Um, consistency over, consistently over at least a dozen years, we've got research that shows a strong interest. Um, a majority of consumers, a big majority of consumers say they want to buy sustainably, but perhaps more interestingly, around half of us actually feel bad when we're not able to find the kind of products we want, which also come from a, a source, a sustainable source that we're happy with. But yeah, interest in sustainability and also in buying local has definitely tracked up over the last couple of years post-pandemic. 
So we saw quite a lot of growth in 2020 as, uh, you know, people saw how the pandemic was impacting on fashion, particularly labour rights in supplier countries. Uh, but I also think there was this strong trend to local, to buying from your community, to supporting your local businesses, which kind of overlaps with that. It's not the same thing as sustainability, but that sometimes it was sustainably motivated. We've got a lot of people writing to us saying, I want to find brands in my country, which was really noticeable post-March 2020, mm-hmm. and it's still going on. <clears throat> um, but also we work, as you may know, with a number of uh, major retailers to power to help them in one way or another, including with Farfetch, we power their positively conscious collection. And they're reporting a, a very large uptick in sales of that collection compared to an uptick, but not as large in sales across their platform as a whole. So there's definitely evidence from a number of places that, that, that the pandemic has further extended that trend towards a focus on sustainability and, and ethical production. You know, March 2020, there was this massive reduction in consumer spending on pretty much everything. Um, And particularly in fashion that, you know, we had all those orders canceled. We had people reporting um, larger brands reporting huge, huge reductions in revenue, excuse me. Um, And so that rebounded. And to some extent, the, Kind of, you know, we. I think what I'm trying to say is we we see the increases in profits of some of the fast fashion brands, not all, um, but we're we're also seeing major successes in the sustainability area. There are more and more brands, as I said before. The Farfetch Positively Conscious Collection is selling much faster than the rest of the platform. So I think both things can be true, that and there can be an ongoing and increasing interest in buying sustainable fashion from a big chunk of consumers as much as 50 60% there can be ongoing you know rebound uh, of fast fashion as well and there can be new fast fashion brands which are looking splashy making progress like Shein to some extent that will be at the expense of other fast fashion brands so uh, I think um, the broader picture surely is that more and more consumers are reeling that, realizing that they have more and more sustainability options and they're taking them up. And so I think that, uh, you know, it's not all in one direction, but there's, a, there's an underlying trend that is very clear. And I think that there are, you know, lots of opportunities for brands to do better and communicate that better with customers to make it easier for customers to find that um, it's really important not to think of sustainability as an end in itself. People want to buy clothes that meet their needs, whether that's to go to work, to go to school, to go on a party, to go on a date, uh, to go, um, you know, to go to a Zoom meeting. But, um, you know, we all have a, a functional purpose. We have a style, an interest in style or identity or presenting who we are. And that's that's primary. And then people would want those choices to be available in sustainable options, if you like. And, and they will feel the words from the research is conflicted if they're not able to meet both of those values. They go, which should I be more sustainable or should be more true to my style uh, or my functional need? And and people, and we're always making trade-offs. It's not, it's not like particular sustainability. Whenever we buy anything, we're making trade-offs between price, convenience, style. Um, what my friends think, what my mother thinks, you know, like whatever it might be, you're making trade-offs. And so sustainability is just another trade-off in that sense. And for some people, it's like the dominant thing. And for some people, it's important. And for some people, they don't care. Um, So the suggestion is that for at least half of us or around half of us, it's actually important enough that we we actually have an emotional reaction if we're not 
hitting both the goals. And that's why Good On You is really all about making it easier. So we're not saying, hey, buy the top sustainability option. We're saying buy the more sustainable option that meets your needs. And that's why we rank from brands from one to five. We don't just say this is sustainable, this is not. Mm -hmm. It's why we try and uh, have a lot of options available so you can search and compare. Um, it's why we're working on better tools for searching and compare. So, so we really try and understand that, that this is a trade-off, and you're you're um, you're using good on you as the, the world's most comprehensive source of sustainable information on fashion brands. But you also need to know about what the clothes look like, how they perform, where you can get them, what price they're at, stuff like yeah. that. The thing about sustainability that makes it so difficult is that it's so incredibly layered, right? Yep. And Depending on what your values are individually, your definition of sustainability can mean something completely different or what you call a sustainable brand or purpose-driven brand can mean something completely different from the next person. So I really like that on the app, in addition to giving an overall rating, you break down some of those personal values that that shoppers may have so they can pick brands that are in in alignment with their values. Yeah. So, so yes, I mean, as you know, we have an overall rating which goes from one to five. We also have a rating for each of animals, labour and uh, environment impacts one to five. And then we have a, um, some text giving you some more details on why we've rated the brand that way without trying to overwhelm with facts. I mean, our ratings are based on um, hundreds of data points for each brand and we're not going to summarise, I mean, we're not going to list them all for you, but we're going to give you a chunk of the key points that could help you understand what that brand's about. Yeah, I mean, considering that, as you said, you are going based on like hundreds of data points and the fact that sustainability can really mean so many different things depending on what brand you're talking to. Yep. What what should brands be focusing on when it comes to sustainability? Like from a consumer customer standpoint, what boxes should they be checking in order to meet the demands of their customer when it comes to sustainability? Well, I, I guess there's the there's two aspects of this. I think there's doing it right which means understanding what are the most material issues that your brand its supply chain and consumer and post-consumer use have on the things that matter i mean there are objectively important sustainability issues and there are things that happen in your supply chain which impact on those impact on people planet and animals um and so as we'll talk about later i think we'll you, you need to understand your supply chain and your impacts across all of those issues. And I think it, just to focus on one is, I think it's firstly, it's not doing the right thing. But secondly, if we do look at what consumers are interested in, uh, our research suggests that it's rare to find a consumer who only cares about one of those things. They might put an emphasis on one. Some people certainly do put an emphasis on animals to the exclusion of other things. We don't see that many people who care about environment not caring about labour rights and animals, and we don't see that many people caring about labour rights not also caring about the environment. And it would be illogical. I mean, environmental uh, disaster will impact the very people who are the workers in our supply chain more than it will impact um, people in purchasing countries, you know, give or take. Uh, so there, it just doesn't make sense, and, and I think people get that. And so people, you know, the short takeaway is that Most people care about all the impacts. Some of them will care more and some of them care less about the animal impacts, but, you know, they're all in the mix. Yeah, I think it's interesting because whenever brands are talking about sustainability, it's always from an environmental standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Very rarely 
do you hear brands talking about anything that has to do with the people that are making their clothes? And I think that that is especially apparent when you think about the Fashion Revolution Transparency Index and the progress that was not made. (laughs) I would agree that brands seem to be better at delivering on their environmental talk, and perhaps that's why they talk about it more, than they have been on delivering on worker safety and worker wages. And um, I I think that's an an ongoing problem and one that brands need to be held account to. Um, I mean, clearly there are some brands that set out with the purpose and the mission of smaller brands, mostly with the purpose and the mission of making sure that, that, that they're doing right by workers and they're advancing workers' interests. But um, that's not common in large brands, that's for sure. I mean, there's so many great things happening in the industry right now yep. from all these different uh, players and, and pieces of the puzzle to enable circular fashion and, and the circular economy and advancing farm to closet fashion and lowering water use and or lessening water use and and carbon emissions and all of these different things but i think so often we're focusing on all all the things but people often get left out of the conversation absolutely and um yeah I, i think that's that's a problem and you know there were some big commitments made after 2013 and um you know, there were some effective strategies such as the Bangladesh Fire and Safety Accord, but there were mm. promises that other big brands made to address living wages, which they just didn't live up to and they'd quietly let them go. So mm. we do yeah. mark down a couple of the bigger brands who made those promises and, and didn't meet them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an area of work for the industry as a whole to yeah. deliver benefits to the people who actually make the stuff. I mean, it's 80 million people in the fashion supply chain, most of them in lesser developed countries, most of them women. Um, So it's a big issue. I think that's one of the things that is so frustrating is that there's often this big deal, this big deal that's made and this big hoopla that's made about initiatives and, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and it's going to be great because we care about this and we care about that. And then there's very rarely any follow through or follow up on what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious from your perspective at Good On You. What does a brand need to have in order to be considered truly transparent from the eyes of good on you? Like what information should they have on their website? What information should they be sharing with their customers? What makes a brand truly transparent and not transparent for the sake of marketing, but (laughs) actually transparent? Yeah, well, we we come from the consumer point of view. We, we We like to say that we stand in the shoes of the consumer and there is this idea that consumers have rights. Of course, we have rights to correct information. We have rights to safety. We have rights to be able to choose, stuff like that. So we say that consumers also have a right to consume responsibly. So we have a right to act on our values when we make consumption decisions, whether that's buying or renting or neither. Um, And so what flows from that right is that brands have an obligation to provide consumers with the information they need to make responsible, sustainable choices. And so because consumers have a right to know how the brand impacts on those issues, um, the brand needs to be telling people. So transparency is a, a necessary first step in being sustainable and in meeting consumers' reasonable expectations about what the brand should be doing. So... We, in terms of what they should disclose, really it's anything that relates to how they impact on sustainability issues, which we frame as impacts on the environment, impacts on workers, impacts on animals. And so um, 
in particular, anything they're doing to avoid negative impacts, but not only that, also what they're not doing, if you like, you know, where does, where are the clothes made? What materials are being used? Um, what do they know about what happens further down the supply chain? So that's that in terms of what, what to be transparent about that, that's what, that's our approach. Um, and, you know, when we assess a brand, we, as we discussed before, we do give a bit of an overview of the key points that they're addressing, the ones that are driving their score up or down the most um, in our summary of the brand's performance. Um, I guess we should touch a little bit on greenwashing here. So what, what, what do we mean? I guess we mean by greenwashing, we mean when you talk about sustainability and you're not giving a true impression of your actual progress. And there's, you know, there's books like The Six and Seven Sins of Greenwashing, but two really important ones are not to talk about small wins to distract from the fact you're not doing stuff in things that matter more, that have more impact. And don't talk in generalities about your broad commitments to sustainability. Instead, talk about specific things that you have done, the, the specific things that your stakeholders want to know about, your customers want to know about, um, that actually lead to a reduction in impacts. You know, I think it can be a challenge because certainly there are brands who intentionally greenwash and intentionally do not share the whole picture because they want people, customers to view them, see them, see their product in a certain way. But then there are those who aren't trying to intentionally greenwash, but it's more of how much information do I share to be transparent? knowing that you most likely won't understand what I'm talking about yeah, because yeah. your average shopper doesn't know or understand the complexities of the supply chain and how nuanced it is and all of the different pieces of the puzzle. Yep. So it's like, how much information do you share in order to be transparent, but not overwhelm or just give a bunch of information that you know people aren't going to understand because I think that that's another piece of it too is like it's I mean thinking about greenwashing you can very easily just kind of like throw everything at the wall and just be like here's everything yeah, yeah. and you can be saying a whole lot of nothing yep. but I think people sometimes get transparency and sustainability mixed up or think that that they mean the same thing yep. and just assume like wow they're giving all this information they must be sustainable because I don't know what this means but it's a whole lot of information. So because they're being transparent, they must be sustainable. Yeah, there's a few points to unpack here. I mean, I think that the, in terms of overwhelming consumers with information, I think the important thing, the important approach is to give a layered approach. So to say up front that you, you, you do have a commitment to sustainability, but what that actually means that you that you have listed somewhere else in the, the second layer, um, all the specific things you're doing, maybe call out the key things, the most material things, not the things that you're doing best on necessarily, because you might be doing great on packaging, but not quite so good on say renewable energy in your supply chain, which would be more important. Um, you know, so, so I think, you know, doing that layer so that consumers can get an accurate understanding that you're addressing everything and the key points, but then if they want to find out more, they can read lower on the page or they can read on the other page where you might have been a bit more systematic. And I think it's useful for brands to help educate consumers by saying what a sustainable brand means, that it is in fact both transparent and addressing all the material issues. And I think you're right, consumers will often see a brand pointing to five great things they're doing uh, you know, in a video with nice images of fields or 
happy workers or Indigenous communities doing great or whatever it might be. But um, if those five things are only a subset of what they should be addressing and not addressing the other things, then consumers go away thinking, oh, this brand's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. other people will tell them, well, what are they doing on living wages? They didn't mention that. What are they doing about um, climate change, reducing their greenhouse gas emissions? They didn't mention that except packaging. And, you know, that's not the most important area of, of mm-hmm. greenhouse gas emissions, etc. Mm-hmm. Thinking about how challenging it is for large brands to pivot and put the focus on people and planet, We're seeing more and more brands take the approach of saying, look, we're not sustainable. These are all the things that we want to work on. This is where we're going. Come with us on that journey. And I've kind of been excited to see this. The question that I always get from brands is, how can we authentically engage in the conversation of sustainability and connect with our customer in a way that doesn't come across as greenwashing? Yeah. I've always thought that the best way to do that, especially if you're not already like known as being a purpose-driven brand, I've, I've always felt that instead of just busting into the scene and being like, oh my gosh, we're going to do all these things and we're amazing and we're great and this is what we're doing yep. for the world and for people and planet, I've always felt like the best approach is to say, hey, like we want to be a part of this conversation. Yep. We know we have work to do. These are the things that we know that we need to work on. Yep. This is where we're going. Here are our targets and come with us on this journey. That's what I've always thought the approach should be. So I'm excited to see that more and more brands are, are going down that route. But then the flip side of that could be <laughs> we we live in council culture, right? As yep. we've seen here in the in the past couple of weeks, like we definitely live in a world where if you're doing something you will probably get found out, you know, maybe not now, but eventually like you'll probably get found out. And so the other side of that could be our brands saying and taking this approach because they don't want to get called out. So it's kind of like, let's get to it before they get to it. Or is it truly come with us on this journey? So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on this approach? I mean, if, if a brand, so just to clarify, if a brand is saying, we're not sustainable and we don't ever intend to be, well, that's a pretty honest statement and you can take the brand for what it's worth and avoid it if you have, um, if it doesn't align with your values. Mm-hmm. If a brand's saying, hey, this is hard, we'll get there one day, um, don't kill us, but we're not doing very much right now, then I think that is verging on um, an inappropriate way to talk about it. Whereas if they are saying, hey, we know this is hard and maybe being truly sustainable is impossible because, you know, people will be... Um, I don't know what's the right word, word Nazis, and say nothing's nothing's absolutely sustainable, which is right. right. But what we mean by saying sustainable is we mean doing the best you can, mm-hmm. um, best that is possible. I don't mean best to your heart. I mean best that is actually possible. <laughs> and so a sustainable brand is a brand that is actually a, knows all its material impacts, ha, is addressing them now, has a credible plan to address them soon. Um, so in terms of, like, we're not sustainable yet, that's fine if it's backed up with... Uh, accurate information about what you are and aren't doing and what your impacts are and a credible plan to move forward with short-term targets like it's no good saying we're going to be sustainable next decade i want to know the progress you're making towards that next year mm-hmm. and um you know how you went last year when we get to next year how did you go so i think if you have that kind of mindset and you're delivering that kind of concrete specific information to stakeholders in a layered way if you don't want to be overwhelming consumers with sustainable information when you want to be talking more about fashion that's fine but it's got to be there somewhere Mm -hmm. um yeah so i I think a a credible plan uh with commitments to reporting on how you're going 
is 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 reasonable. I mean, you should never commit to doing something you're not reasonably sure you're going to be able to achieve. I mean, that's just that is you know BS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> From brand to brand, sustainability commitments vary, and their ability to make progress on those commitments is gonna you know it's going to be different for each brand. But I think, I mean, when we think about sustainability, as you said earlier, sustainability isn't new. Yeah. And many of the conversations that are being had today are the same conversations that were being had years ago. I know that we can't hold all brands to the same timeline or say, you know, you have to reach this goal by this time, or you have to reach this goal by that time. Like, I know that that's not necessarily something that we can do, but I guess I'm just wondering, how can we hold brands accountable in a way that drives progress so that we're not still talking about the same things 30 years from now it's a chance for a dad joke there's this uh, a teacher (laughs) of mine from years ago who talked about somebody in an unknown country coming up who was a bit lost Mm -hmm. bit lost didn't know where to go didn't know how to get to the goal and asked a you know wise and wise and old person working in a field like how do I get to the capital city of this place? And the person said, oh, I wouldn't start from here. So, <laughs> so, which is a way of saying there's really kind of two starting places, aren't there? Um, mm-hmm. One is your, band, your brand was born with a mission to be sustainable. So there are some great brands in the world. Uh, I like to call out ABCH in Australia as one, but there are, there are others, um, Known Supply, who... Uh, and there are many, many more, I'm not trying to just say there are only two, who <laughs> were created to do the absolute best that they could. And and uh, they were, you know, that's, that's their mission. Now, that's not every brand. Other brands have another North Star, you know, a certain kind of style or a certain kind of market niche that they want to serve, and they also want to be sustainability. So if we're talking about those brands, then, you know, it's it's... You, know, you need to be moving forward fast. I, I don't think you can answer the question for everybody and say you have to do it in five years, you have to do it in one, you have to do it in right. 20 years. Right. Um, I, th- I think it's, you know, it's a choice that the brand makes. And, you know, as we talked about before, there's a lot of market pressures about why you ought to be sustainable. There's a lot of moral pressures about why you ought to be sustainable. And there's potentially future regulatory reasons why you want to be sustainable. I mean, all these things will happen and will impact on brands in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... You know, it seems to me that at the very least, you have to have a plan, you have to have an intention, you have to have a way of measuring your impacts, all of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a very famous large brand growing up over the last 10 years. It's still there. It's still big. It did nothing about its chemical impacts for years and was pushed into it and does now address them. But, and, and it wasn't talking about them, which for me is greenwashing. It was saying, we're, and they were really good and everybody used, they were a darling of the sustainable movement. They were good on climate change. They were good on resource use and waste and recycling and so on. Um, they were reasonably good on water, but they just did nothing about chemicals. And so that was a real, real gap. Sorry, I'm getting off point. So the, 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 the things are, have, have an intention. You've got to have a clear intention. Is it, is, it, is it just something you're tacking on or is it a core part of your business? You've got to have a plan about how you're going to get there. Really key, you've got to understand all your material impacts, not just some of them. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to be transparent about what you are doing now and what you will be doing soon. And I, I think that will get you a fair way um, and it will 
create an environment in your in your brand, in your company, in your organization that moves forward. And you know, you ought to be rewarding people based on uh, their contribution to that goal as much as your financial goals. I think the part that's really frustrating is that we rarely get any updates on the progress that's being made towards these goals. And I think yep. I mentioned that earlier, but it's like, are you on track to meet your goal? Yep. Do you need to adjust? Have you realized things along the way that are actually going to keep, you know, make maybe make it longer for you to reach that goal? Or now you have to rethink everything? Or yep. what is the status on your goal? I feel like we need like an Uber where you get like updates on where your ride is. We need like an app that tells us updates on brands progress. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, more than that, I think, yeah, look, have a 20-30 have a twenty thirty goal saying we're going to have none of this, none of this, none of this, and very little of this. That's great. Mm-hmm. But have a 2022 goal as well. So in order to get there on those mm-hmm. 10 things, we're going to make this amount of progress on these three, three things next year. And as you say, then give an update. So, yeah, look, we, we knocked that one over and we scored on that. Look, there was this thing happened and we didn't make this one. Fine, but, you know, like, and next year we're going to do it. So mm-hmm. I think... Um, as you, I think both short-term goals and reporting are, are crucial if you're going to have a long-term goal. For sure. And I think that this would really help brands avoid being called out for greenwashing because the biggest thing with greenwashing is the fact that it is deceptive and misleading. But there's nothing deceptive about saying, hey, look, we, we met this goal, but we actually realized that we have to adjust and pivot in order to meet this one. And so this is what we're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It kind of goes back to that whole sustainability is a journey, not a destination. And I think customers understand that, but they want the brand to be honest about that journey and not try to make it seem like they're making more progress than they actually are or that they're doing more than they actually are. It's like a step in the right direction. Let's, let's use that step in the right direction um, metaphor. The step in the right direction is okay if it's a step in the right direction on a path that goes somewhere with some right. signposts. Right. And it's a step in the right direction if it's followed by a second step. Like right. if it's, if, you it's if you introduced 1% of your collection to be organic cotton in 2018 and nothing's happened since then, mm-hmm. that was a step in the wrong direction. It was just a step. <laughs> Or it's a step in no particular direction, right? right? It was right. Just a you, step. Just, you just you put your foot up and put it right back down in the same spot. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And if you did yeah. thing four this year and you said, like, we did three things last year, we did thing four this year, we're going to do five next year, then it's harder to say that you're only doing that to look good. And now people mm-hmm. might say your rate of progress is very slow for a company of your resources, but that's a different yeah. conversation. Totally. Yeah. When it comes to holding brands accountable, I know that a lot of people are really hoping that legislation is going to be the thing that is going to finally hold brands accountable and crack down on greenwashing and hold brands to these commitments that they're making and even hold them to commitments that they're not willing to make themselves voluntarily. But I think it's really interesting because there are currently laws designed to mitigate greenwashing, designed to hold brands accountable, and yet we're still seeing greenwashing and we're still seeing, you know, like progress not necessarily be made in a way that's going to move the needle. I'm just curious, do you, do you think that legislation is going to be the solution that everyone is really, really hoping that it will be? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a few people being very frustrated with the uh, the, 
slower than they'd like progress of sustainable fashion driven by consumers. And, and I get where they're coming from, but I don't think the answer is to say, let's give up on consumers and believe that government will change the, the playing field. Government regulation only happens if the government wants it to happen and governments are not perfect. Governments listen to a lot of voices. They don't only listen to sustainable fashion advocates and some of those voices are very negative about progress on these issues. And so I think relying on government regulation alone <clears throat> is equally unlikely to succeed. It seems to me that the only way we can see succeed is if we act both as citizens and as consumers. As consumers, we should make choices which align with our values. We should put market pressure on businesses to do better. We should um, have conversations around that, and that informs our life as a citizen. It informs, it, it, it expands the number of people who care about these issues, about fairness in supply chains, about environmental sustainability in supply chains, and expand the electorate then for politicians who want to act on those things. And so you've absolutely got to have both and they are mutually reinforcing. The more we talk about sustainable fashion, the more we talk about the problems that we are addressing, like modern day slavery, like um, cat catastrophic climate change, then the more that those ideas are live in our conversations and influence how we vote and how politicians respond to the electorate. So for me, regulation helps, and but regulation doesn't happen and regulation doesn't get enforced unless the community wants it to happen. And there's, you know, to be blunt, unless there's votes in it for politicians who want to stay elected. So, you know, you, it's, 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 I think, um, unproductive to give up on consumer power, but it's unrealistic to think the consumer power will solve everything by itself. And the ob obverse is also true. We cannot expect governments to act when governments are not answerable only to those who want sustainable fashion. They're answerable to people who don't care about sustainable fashion as well. That's a really good point. And, you know, if we learned anything from the past couple of years, it is the power of the consumer. There are so many movements where it was, it was consumers, it was citizens, it was people who were saying we want X, Y, Z. And governments responded, um, brands responded. I mean, there was a massive response to, to the demands of the citizens. So I think you're right. I mean, there is definitely power there. I think it's hard because it's like, should, should citizens, should customers really be responsible for driving the change of these massive companies that they should be doing it on their own? Like, why should it be on the shoulders of customers to push them to do the right thing? And, and like, this is not new, you know, if we go right back to the late uh, 18th century in the UK, um, the first movements, very important parts of the early movement against the Atlantic slave trade in that country were consumer powered boycotts of sugar being imported from the West Indies. And that was, that was a, you know, consciousness raising as well as direct impact kind of strategy. And it led over a period of 20 or 30 years, admittedly, to the, the outlawing of, of um, the Atlantic slave trade in, in the UK and, and the punishment of um, some of the operators. So, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, and the same thing happened with the worker buying movement in the US in the 20s and 30s. The same thing happened with the birth of the fair trade movement, which has been relatively successful, although probably not completely on the scale that its founders would have wanted. So, <laughs> you know, I really do think that there is historical examples of change coming about where consumer power has been an important part of the story and the consciousness raising that goes with it is an important part of the story, rarely successful completely by itself. Mm -hmm. But um, conversely, there's a lot of regulations that have made no difference and there's a lot of campaigns to get regulations that have failed to get those regulations. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, just repeating that uh, I think the only hope is for both action as a citizen and as a consumer. Yeah. Well, I wanted to transition and talk about something that you and I have discussed offline. Yeah. You've noticed something that I've noticed, and I know that other people in the industry have noticed as well. I know Whitney Bach wrote an article about it for Fashionista a few years ago. Yeah. One of the problems with sustainable fashion is that it's easier to find certain kinds of clothes in sustainable production methods than than others. I mean, if you're looking for a sustainable T-shirt in a range of styles, um, particularly in some countries, you have dozens of options. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for plus size, if you're looking for sustainable fashion for tweens, if you're looking for outerwear, if you're looking for, you know, certain other kinds of specific products, um, technical running or cycling gear, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of niches which are really underserved by sustainable fashion. So mm -hmm. that kind of undermines the whole project because it means that a consumer can't do it all the time and they get frustrated. So I would like to see a world in which new, fast, new sustainable fashion brands were looking for the niches which are underserved in terms of sustainable fashion and not making stuff out of organic cotton jersey, T-shirts, hoodies and uh, loose-fitting dresses because there's a lot of brands that are doing that already. Let's do mm -hmm. something, let's meet, meet the parts of the market that are not being served by sustainable fashion very well. The number of people who write into us who are so passionate about trying to find particular products that meet their needs that are sustainable. So, you know, people really have this mindset I want to buy clothes for my tweens. I want to buy plus um, extended sizing uh, outfits. I just want to buy something that this style and I can't find it and they're frustrated. So they, they are telling us that there's a need for brands to be sustainable that are providing a whole range of products. So I think it's a, it's a hypothesis, but it's almost certainly true that consumers, there are lots of consumers who want sustainable products in every single niche. They want sustainable shoes, they want sustainable thongs, they want sustainable hats, they want sustainable <laughs> backpacks, they want sustainable um, wedding gowns, they want sustainable everything. So mm -hmm. there are millions of consumers out there who will buy sustainability, uh, who are willing to learn more, who are willing to understand that it's price per wear that counts, not price off the shelf. Yeah, like I was saying, it reminds me of that article that Whitney wrote that was um, asking, do we really need another sustainable fashion brand? Yep. Because we have so many and so many that look the same, so many that are producing the same kind of clothing, the same type of clothing, using the same materials with the same aesthetic, marketing themselves in the same way, using the same wording, having the same image uh, direction. Yep. It's like... It's literally the same brand over and over and over again. But then there are holes in the sustainable fashion closet. You know what I mean? Like yep. you can't find 
a solution for everything that you may be looking for. And so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I wish that more brands would maybe focus in the areas where there's less, less action because, I mean, honestly, like for your business, that would really help too because you're stand out. You know, you won't just fall into the sea of linen oversized dresses, you know, in some neutral color. I don't know. Just a thought. And, you know, one of the underlying values of good on you is that people are not shopping for sustainability. They're shopping for clothes that meet their their functional needs and their style needs. And mm-hmm. that that's one of the reasons we rank brands from one to five so that they can find uh, the, the best option that meets both their functional and style needs, their price point, their convenience, mm-hmm. but also their values. And so even if you can't make a perfectly sustainable, uh, fashionable plus size range, maybe make one which is fashionable and plus size and does as good as possible on sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will be, something that is not out there now and you you will find customers for that yeah i think it's kind of ironic that you brought up plus sizes being missing from the sustainable fashion closet because i actually have a conversation coming up with tanya taylor where i'm i'm asking her what what can the sustainable fashion industry learn about plus size and learn about designing for larger bodies and um yeah i mean it's funny uh yeah. I mean, I, I like her definition of sustainability and what it means to her as a company because they don't actually consider themselves to be sustainable, yeah. but they are doing things in that realm. And I think it kind of goes back to like what we were talking about earlier when we were saying that brands are really, you know, not wanting to be called out or accused of greenwashing, yeah. but they do want to enter into the sustainability space and sort of figure out where where they fit in that conversation. So where should brands start? Like if they want to enter into this space, where should they start? Where should they begin their journey into sustainability? So, of course, it depends on where you are now. But Mm -hmm. just as a quick summary, I think first thing, uh, confirm an intention. Make it a part of your identity that you will be heading towards a more sustainable future. Secondly, be committed to transparency. That means telling people what you are doing, whether it's good or bad. It means telling people about your plans. It means reporting on those plans. Third, you need to understand what are your impacts. You need to understand how your supply chain impacts on people, planet, and animals, how the use phase of your product impacts, how the end of life, you know, are your products disposable? Are your products able to be recycled? Are your products biodegradable, etc.? So that's the kind of orientation, intention, transparency, understanding your impacts. And then in terms of more, you know, tactical kind of issues, uh, particularly for smaller brands, materials are obviously key. I mean, materials have a huge impact on your environmental um, impact. Uh, sorry, impact impact. Materials have a huge impact on how you affect the environment. So that's a really good place to start. It's obviously a common place to start. Um, you know, for cotton, for polyester, there are alternatives that have 50% lower greenhouse gas impacts, et cetera, but you can go beyond that. Um, and then in terms of labour, you just got to demonstrate that you know your labour force, you actually know what's going on and that you've got some way of influencing that, whether that's through a certification, whether that's through 
a code of conduct that you actually check as being um, followed, whether it's partnering with other brands to kind of influence the factories that supply you. Um, I think um, apart from brand direct influence on factories, I think respecting that workers have a voice and a right to use it. And so choosing to work in countries where labour unions exist, uh, even if they're not perfect, choosing to find ways to empower workers to um, report back to you away from the workplace. Um, there are some uh, civil society organisations that facilitate that. So there are, there are you know, things you can do even if you are not, um, you know, Zara and able to take the entire production of a factory and tell them how to do things. Do brands need to reach a certain milestone or have a, a, an extensive plan in place for how they're going to achieve some of their sustainability goals before they can start talking about it publicly, like to their, to their customer and to their, um, to their community? That's, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, I would say that making, a, you know, I think as we said before, making a commitment to achieve a particular goal and then breaking that down into the milestones that you're going to report on is a credible way to move forward. But I don't think it counts as being sustainable and it wouldn't get you any points on good on you until you actually started delivering on it. But then you can't deliver on a plan until you have the plan. So I guess that's, that's a choice you make. You say, okay, now today we're going to have a plan and we're not going to tell anybody about it until we've actually done something. Mm-hmm. I think that's a credible way forward. Uh, if you're going the other way forward, just saying we have a plan and we're going to do this stuff, then I think saying that and saying what the short-term milestones are is fine. I think marketing around it is probably pushing the envelope. So I, I don't think you can go have big posters in your stores or on your website saying, hey, we've committed to doing this stuff even next year. Like if yeah. you say we've committed this stuff in 10 years' time and you've done zero now, then that's just, you know, greenwashing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'd be careful if um, you haven't actually delivered anything. I mean, the counter argument is that if you look at the individual company, they've actually done nothing except say we have a plan. But if you look at the industry as a whole, if you if you see a number of um, major players all saying, actually, we're committed to achieving this thing, um, then that does change the climate a bit. So it actually gets other companies thinking about maybe they should get on this bandwagon. Mm-hmm. So it depends a little bit who you are. I mean, if you're Nike and Gap and three others and you all get together and say, we're going to do this and it's credible and it has short-term milestones, maybe that is worth saying because it does influence other companies. I mean, I'd be saying that though in the trade press, no, not in your consumer marketing because, <laughs> uh, you know, like, you know, as we said before, I think you've got to be doing stuff rather than just planning to do stuff before you can really market that to consumers. Yeah, that makes total sense. Like if big industry players say, hey, you know what, we're going to champion XYZ cause, then it could make other brands say, hey, I mean, they're championing this and we know how hard it's going to be and they're choosing to to do it we should figure out a way too or if they've figured out a way to do it there has to be a way for us to be able to do it too yeah 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 although we don't um think that promises particularly long-range promises count for very much we do like it when industry players work together and say we're all going to do x so the science based mm-hmm. targets for climate change reduction are a, a very credible program and 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 they are about targets so that's uh and reporting mechanisms. So, you know, that's, you know, I think working with other people 
um, and making, you know, it's like when you're going running with, you know, get, you go to the gym buddies, right? You, you never get out of bed, but you've got your buddy, you've got to meet, live up to them. So yep. there's an element <laughs> perhaps of that involved <laughs> yep. in, um, in a number of brands working together to make joint commitments to work together to achieve a particular sustainability goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's one thing that brands can do today to be more transparent? The first thing is act like if you want one thing you could do to get off the, the bottom floor, accurately state all the materials in each product as much detail as possible. Like telling people what things are made of accurately uh, is, is I think key. And then of course, the, the same thing Fashion Revolution says, which is be clear about how and where your products are made. Again, as, as much detail as you can for your business situation. You know, a large brand, you, you want to be telling everything there is to know. Smaller brands, often a little bit sensitive about specific factories, but say what country they're in, say what kind of facility they are. What happens if a brand isn't able to get all of that information from the factory? Like, let's say the factory is subcontracted out and um, isn't being forthcoming with that information what do they do then as far as, you know, transparency is concerned? Well, I think that's something brands need to think about when they're contracting with factories. I mean, do they want to include conditions in their contract that they not allow subcontracting? Or do they want to include conditions that they are notified when subcontract happens? Mm. I mean, I think the brand is not without options unless it's the tiniest brand has to take the contract terms with the factory. Then I think you are in a position to... Um, Talk to that factory. I mean, you know, you've got choices to which factories you work with. And so if, if a factory won't, you know, do what you want, whether that's not outsourcing or notifying when and to whom you've outsourced, mm -hmm. uh, I think you can address that that way. I mean, it's worth mentioning related is the, the, the wonderful work of the Open Apparel Registry, which is trying to create a, you know, a public database of all the factories in the world and all the brands that use them. And so I think if we wanted to add a third thing, particularly for large companies, to what you can do to be more transparent is please report to the Open Apparel Registry. Um, mm. It's just such a fantastic initiative and it's going to allow such insight into which factories are doing well and which ones aren't on a whole range of issues. Mm -hmm. You know, consumers should not have to spend hours searching out which brand is sustainable. They should be able to look at a brand. They should be able to look at a product online or in store and they should be able to see the sustainability characteristics of that product just as easy as seeing its colour, its size and its price. Mm. that's the goal we want to get to. And I reckon over the last eight to 10 years, we've made some progress. So let's build on that. We'll have to figure out something else to do with our time when that happens. And I'll have to figure out a different angle for my podcast. <laughs> well, those are all the questions that I had for you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me once again. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, Brittany, to hang out with you in Portland, <laughs> even if I'm not. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see that it's going to be sunny tomorrow since you're a day ahead of me. It's like raining and cloudy here. So I'm happy to see that the sun's going to come out. <laughs> actually, oh my gosh, I see the sun poking out. Maybe the sun is actually going to come out tomorrow. <laughs> Unbeams from Australia. As always, thanks so much for listening. If you're not already, be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Sustainable Fashion Forum to see what episodes are coming up next also if you're not on the list and by list i mean our mailing list you might want to sign up we have some really 
great stuff that's going to start coming out weekly. And I don't think you're going to want to miss it. But I could be wrong. I mean, who you? <laughs> All right. Let's hang out here again next week. Sound like a plan? Cool. I'll see you then. <laughs>